love the Lord and uh, got a powerful word to preach to you. We'll stand for the reading of the main text here in just a moment. Very, very grateful, as I know many of you are as well. We've been uh, helping people, ministering to people over the past few days. I think one of the main things that, that people need right now is peace. Peace. And so I'm going to preach from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2 through 9. You can go ahead and turn there. While you're turning there, I want to reference Haggai verse 2 and 6 uh, through 9. Talks about, the prophet talks about a shaking that's going to come. That God is going to shake what can be shaken so that what remains is of him. Somebody said to me, and I've got a text, and I heard the, a question of a, of a young boy in one of our folks' homes. It said, is, is the earthquake from God, or is the earthquake from the devil? So somebody asked me, is it from God or the devil, Pastor? Which one is it? I have no idea. Because earthquakes can come from God. You'll see that in Acts chapter 4. You see that when Jesus was crucified, the temple curtain was ripped from the top to the bottom. And there was an earthquake and rocks split. That one came from God, I believe. But then there's earthquakes and, and tragedies and storms and that can come from the devil. How many of you know that? When Jesus was in the boat and there was wind and waves, he rebuked. How many of you know God doesn't rebuke himself? He rebuked the wind and the waves. So you say, which one is it? I have no idea. It could be from God, it could be from the devil, it could be, here's a third option, it could be because of the fallenness of, of creation. Listen, you don't have the beautiful mountains without earthquakes, right? And I'm certainly not a geologist, I just know this, that death and destruction are definitely from the devil, they're not from God. And we know that even in all of these difficult circumstances, God will work all things together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I know that. And I also know, as I even prophesied earlier in this service, there's a shaking going on in America. There's a shaking going on in the nations. There's a shaking politically, economically, socially. God is doing amazing things, and we want to partner with Him. It's a new time. It's a new hour. And I'm so glad that nobody died in our great state in the middle of a 7.0 earthquake. And I don't know if there's any more coming, but I heard that there was a big one coming, and I just rebuked it in Jesus' name. God's a good God. So on November 30th at 8.29, the ground shook. And I don't understand for all the upheaval, but I know God will work it for good. So here we go. Stand up on your feet, Philippians chapter 4. Today, there's going to be healing for people's emotional pain. Today, God is going to release healing for trauma. Today, God is going to release His peace supernaturally over every person here that needs it and would receive it. The peace of God is even coming now and it will increase as I'm preached to you God's word. It will touch and change your life and change your family if you receive it. Can you say amen? amen. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Are you ready? I plead with Iodia and I plead with Santiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, to help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, 
rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank and praise you for what you did in the first service. Now what you'll do in the second, move in great power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. If you don't have those and you'd like them, uh, these wonderful anointed ushers, you get their attention, they'll bring that to you. It's the, it's the main thing I believe that people need in our community right now. I've been doing a series called The Battle, and I had a special message to preach to you on this BFF Sunday for all of our guests and people coming to, to make Jesus your best friend forever. But the Lord really dealt with me on Friday, Saturday, after the earthquake, of course, to bring you this, this particular message. It's not canned. I've never preached it before. It's going to help you. It certainly has helped me. Let's define peace. First of all, I'm, I'm born in 1966. 1960s, there is, a, there is a sign called the peace sign. Let me remember that. It means peace, right? But it's not the peace that we see in the Bible. It was some sort of drug-induced mindless idiocy where people just wanted peace. It's just like check out or free love. It wasn't love and it wasn't free. And our whole counterculture movement hit the United States of America and what well, was in in the early 60s, flat tops and, and uh, you know, haircut, crew cuts, uh, then became long hair and lots of drugs and people throwing off all cultural mores and restraints. And we still deal with the effects of that. Now, the, the 60s piece, the upheaval of our culture in the United States and a very unpopular Vietnam War where people cried for peace. And it, it wasn't real peace. The only way you can have real peace is by knowing Christ. I remember seeing a bumper sticker that said, No Christ, in other words, N-O, no, no, or pardon me, no Jesus, N-O, Jesus, and then it says, N-O, peace. And then after that, it said, no, Jesus, K-N-O-W, no, Jesus. Then you'll really know peace. He's the prince of peace. So we're going to define scripture. Let me just tell you where we're going. We'll define the biblical meaning of peace in these next 20 minutes. And then we'll bring it home, how to actually have peace in our lives. And how to, how to walk in peace, the peace of God. So in, from a Hebrew perspective, the word peace is shalom. But it's, it's not like, it's not like we, we really know what that means if you don't really study it. It's not, it's not the peace of the 60s. Shalom means nothing, nothing missing, nothing broken. It's a fascinating word. Uh, the Hebrews understood covenant, and they understood their, their walk with God as a covenant relationship. So when they said shalom, it meant all of the promises, all of the blessings, emotionally, Physically, financially, 
every blessing of all of the covenant relationship with Almighty God be yours. It was a greeting that people would bring when they first saw each other. They'd say, hey, what's up? They probably didn't do it like that. But, what's up? Shalom. So they'd say shalom to each other. When they leave, they would say shalom. Shalom is a powerful, powerful, powerful word. The Bible that we read is three different languages. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew with a small section of the book of Daniel written in Aramaic. And the New Testament is written in, in what's called Koine Greek. So from the Hebrew perspective, peace, shalom, is all of the covenant blessings that God, all his spoken word and declared blessings over your life be yours. That's different than peace, man. It's very different. The Greek perspective is, let me, let me spell it for you, the, the transliteration in English, E-I-R-E-N-E, orene, it means a right relationship, right relationship with God. So the Hebrew perspective of peace or shalom is that all of the covenant blessings be yours, emotional blessings, physical blessings, financial blessings, come on, all the spiritual blessings be yours, shalom, peace. The Greek perspective is that, that you would have right relationship. And, and let me read this to you. According to the conception distinctly particular to Christianity, it is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing and is completely content with everything that they have, whatever sort it is. Wow. So the concept of rene in the Greek, peace in the Greek, rene, is the concept that your relationship with God is so complete that you're not afraid of death, you're not afraid of earthquakes, you're not afraid of wars, you're not afraid of anything. In fact, the only thing that you have is a fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom, that, that you don't have to worry about when you rise up or when you lie down or for the next shaking that's coming because God has given you peace through salvation and the promises of God. Powerful, powerful. These are the, the biblical understandings of of peace in this simplistic form. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have, you don't have peace. Jesus gives us peace because he's the Prince of Peace. Right in your notes, see, peace Jesus gives. Let me read this to you. He, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world does. That's good. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. In John 16, 23, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. I'm going to say, no, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. Come on, tell your neighbor to take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. See, what he's saying is he's saying that even though there's wars, rumors of wars, and earthquakes, and trials, and death, and difficulty... Take heart, take courage, because I will give you supernatural peace in the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your trial. I will give you supernatural peace. And the Apostle Paul wrote about peace. He talked in the New Testament to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thess 5, 23. It says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless to the coming of the day of the Lord Jesus. He's praying that God's peace would touch every aspect of your life. Your lot as a believer, and if you're not a believer, I'm so glad you've come. We can remedy that by the end of the service. It is a birthright to walk in peace. It's a born-again, new creation, spiritual truth for those who've received Jesus, who've repented of their sin. 
to have peace even in the midst of a 7.0 earthquake, even in the midst of the difficulties, the trials, and the struggles that we're all facing, and the things that are perhaps even yet to come. All right, let me give you four things that peace that Jesus gives. There's many, many passages we could look at, but salvation, salvation. Everybody say salvation, salvation. There's no other name given among men by which you must be saved. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So you're either going to bow the knee in submission and, and reverence and repentance, giving your life to Christ, or you'll be bowing the knee at a later time. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. I'm, I've decided to bow the knee before the judgment seat. Either way, we're all going to bow the knee. Salvation. I remember when I first got saved, I was probably saved, I don't know, three or four months and I got to ride in a helicopter. How many of you have been in a helicopter before? I had never been in the helicopter before. That was my first helicopter ride. I got in the helicopter, and we took off. I had a friend that was a helicopter mechanic. And he invited me. He said, oh, yeah, you can get it. It was one of these touring helicopters. And we had this amazing pilot from Vietnam, you know. And it's just, it's all safe and good. They put on uh, new blades or rotors or something like that. And so we take off. And as we're flying... Shortly thereafter, maybe five minutes into the ride, the, the helicopter starts to shake to pieces. And I mean like really shaking. And the nerves of steel pilot is cursing like I don't, he invented new curses. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, he's dropping so many bombs and he's clearly in panic. It's not like, oh, everything's going to be okay. No, that it was like total panic and cursing and everything. And the mechanic is also cursing, and he was a believer. And I'm in the back, and I'm like, we're going to die! And we're spiraling and shaking, spiraling down, very quickly falling from the sky. And I realized, I'm going to die! And then I thought, I'm going to go see Jesus. And this peace came all over me. And I was like, Jesus! And we bounced off this sugarcane field two times, and we landed, and nothing went wrong. You know why I had peace? I guarantee you, I'd have been cursing like with all the rest of those boys, but somehow something got in the city of my soul that I knew if I was going to die, I was going straight to Jesus. I was born again. I knew it. Salvation will give you peace in the midst of 7.0s, in the midst of earthquakes, in the midst of planes. I've been on planes. I can tell you all kinds of stories. Without salvation, <laughs> you're not going to have much peace. You try to rub two sticks together, you know, rub your rubby, your, your lucky rabbit's foot or, do, you know, hold on to your cross as much as you want to. You, you still split hell wide open if you're not born again. You need to be born again. Salvation. Reconciliation. Ephesians 2 and 14. Let me read this to you. This is the second thing that peace of Jesus brings. Reconciliation. Ephesians 2 and 14. For he himself is our peace. He who made the two groups one has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He's talking about two groups. What two groups? Jews and Gentiles he's talking about. I got my DNA back. I, I put in for one of those DNA things. I was just hoping. Gosh, I hope I have some Jewish in me. Oh, God. I'm convinced they got it wrong because I don't, they don't say I have any. I am 1% African American though, Pastor Vince. Praise God. No, for real. I'm serious. Okay. No Hebrew, but 1% African-American. Okay. And then, and then I think I'm 1% Cherokee Indian or something. 
what he's talking about Jews and Gentiles, and there was a great division between Jews and Gentiles. And what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus is that he destroyed the dividing wall between the two. Let me go on to read in verse 17. He came and preached peace to those who were far away, that's to Gentile, and peace to those who were near, that's to Jews, verse 18. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's amazing. The peace of reconciliation with God and reconciliation with each other. Listen, you might have had, you might have had like cat fights at your Thanksgiving table. God can, if God can bring peace between Jews and Gentiles, He can bring peace between blacks and whites and yellows and butterscotch. He can bring We need this message all across America. We need reconciliation in our, in our town, in our cities, in our state. Come on. That's what, without reconciliation, you're not going to have much peace. He can heal your broken marriage. Hey, glory to God. He can touch your son, your daughter. He can touch your mother-in-law. Soon to be mother-in-law. He can touch your father. He can touch your grandma, your auntie, your uncle. He can bring reconciliation. Without reconciliation, there's not much peace. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The third thing is he brings tranquility. I want to read to you Psalm 23. Tranquility. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23, in the King James, because it just does it right to me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. i got to stop and say that you're going to want a lot if he's not your shepherd. You'll have a lot of wants if he's not your shepherd. But if he is your shepherd, you shall not want. You gotta, that's your job, make him your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, everybody say yea. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Come on, how many of you know if God's with you, then it's going to be all right. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Wow. It's a picture of being guided. It's a picture of being corrected. If you haven't been corrected lately, you might be illegitimate. In other words, God corrects you every day because he loves you. I rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies, verse 5. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, when you've got Jesus, you not only have, what? Well, come on, no, it's number one, salvation. You have number two, reconciliation. Number three, tranquility. Tranquility. He'll give you a place of enjoying his peace and his presence. Number four, abundant life. And then we'll talk about how to actually have peace. Let's just talk about peace. We want to talk to you about how to actually make it yours. Number four, abundant life. The gospel in one verse, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to for steal, to dis- kill, and to destroy. I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That is the gospel in one verse. I'm telling you that God wants you to experience life, and he wants you to experience abundant, abundant life, the blessed life. All right. How do we live in peace? How do we live in peace? So I'm glad you asked. First of all, receive the peace that only Jesus can give. You've got to be born again. You've got to give your life to Christ. If you haven't done that, I implored you, I plead with you on his behalf to be reconciled to God. He said, I'll go to church. I'll go to church every day. Well... The pew is in church every day, too. It's not about going to church. 
He said, I've been baptized. I'm not being baptized either, although that's a command. You need to be born again. You must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You could call yourself a Christian. You might have been born into a Christian family. You might have a Bible as, as big that could choke a moose. You might go to church every day and watch online stuff, read the, but if you've never repented of your sin and made a decision that makes Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then you, th th that's it. That's the bottom line. So you've got to receive the peace only Jesus can give by being born again. Make a decision. You've got to partner to his agreement. Where are you getting that? I'm going to look right here in Philippians. You see, he's... He's writing because there's a problem here at the church of Philippi. It's, it's called an epistle, which is a Greek word for letter. And, he, and he's writing, and he, and he says this. He's writing about these two women. Look at verse 2 with me, right into the text. I plead with you, Iodia, and I plead with Santichi, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, to be of the same mind. Listen now. Yes, I ask you, my true, I ask you, my true companion... Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. So there's these two women, and then he mentions someone else, Clement. But these two women are having a problem. If you're not thinking alike, then you're at odds with each other. There's, there's basically division in the church between these two women. And this, you could use this and so many others to destroy the fact uh, that women are supposed to be in ministry. So wherever you heard... Whatever you read, the bygone era that women weren't supposed to be in ministry, it's a bunch of hogwash. This is just one scripture because these two women served along with Jesus in the ministry and they're two leaders and he's writing to them and he's rebuking them and he's saying, hey, you got to be of the same mind. And he tells them, hey, my companions, and he goes on to say yoke fellows, which is an interesting word, help them out. Here's, here's the second way to have peace. you got to have Jesus. Number two, you got to have a partnership with people. What are you talking about, Pat? I'm telling you, you have to build relationships in the house of God with people that aren't afraid of hurting your feelings. Now, I know a lot of people that aren't afraid of hurting my feelings, and they're mean as a cuss. They're mean as junkyard dogs, and they're out to actually to hurt my feelings. Even though what they might say is true, it's not done with love. And so that which is the truth not spoken in love is also sin. So we need to speak the truth in love and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. How are you supposed to bear one another's burdens if you don't know them? Now, my wife is, is my number one uh, corrector and rebuker, and I'm so grateful. Well, it's the Lord, actually, but then, then she's second. Thank God. She helps me. Come on, some of you need some help. You have to develop partnerships. So these two women are in leadership. They're in the church, and the apostle Paul says... My companions, yoke fellows, help these ladies out because they are not of the like, like mind. You have to develop. If you're going to have peace, you have to have wisdom in a multitude of counsel. You have to develop relationships with people that will tell you, come on, ladies. How many of you ever got a whole bunch of lipstick up on your teeth and somebody's like. Right? And you're like, huh, what? Oh. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, I had a piece of lettuce flapping around, you know, a piece of uh, deep-fried spinach in my teeth. And thank God my wife's like, uh, it's always that one side that sort of catches. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Hasn't been much romaine around lately. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I have on occasion, I don't know what the deal was, <laughs> but I went through this season where my fly was down. 
Don't. You guys are like, is you fly down now? No, my fly's up. How's your fly? Listen, I'm so glad. Is there anybody else besides me that's like, when they see like, I mean, how mean would that be? Listen, we have things in our lives that can destroy our peace. And when you're partnered with people that really love you, they'll tell you you got lettuce in your teeth. They'll tell your fly is down. And I'm, I'm just using those as like some fun illustrations. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll help you with the way maybe you're raising your child. Oh, oh did I step in something just now? So, you're, so you're, you, you don't teach your kids to obey. So they're, they're straight crazy. They drive every, not your kids, of course. There's somebody, not, no one in this church, in fact. And so then there's a mother in the faith who comes and says, sweetheart, let me tell you something. You keep raising your kids that way, you're going to have a prison ministry. And you get all offended and leave. No, no. We, we have to have partnership. People helping us. I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for my children that are willing to speak truth. I'm so thankful for my staff. I'm so thankful for friends and relationships and people that, that have been cultivated in my life for some, some almost 30 years now. Some people just seem anointed to point things out. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but we, we, need, we need loving correction because otherwise you can get off the beam. You understand you can get a bubble off. To be like, I, I know he's talking to me today, God. He's talking to me today. It's crucial if you're going to have peace, you've got to partner with his agreement and partner with people. Three, express your joy in God. I remember this song, and every time I read this, it just comes to mind, and you, you might know it. Um, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Anybody remember that? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Hey, hallelujah. You'd think this is written while he's got his feet up and one of those nice little, you know, uh, virgin daiquiris with a with a with a you know a little umbrella in it, <laughs> drinking a little drink on the side of a pool. He's in a prison. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi from a dark prison. We've seen it in Rome. We've seen it. It's a dark, dank, ugly, nasty prison. He's writing, "Rejoice in the Lord always." Wow, what what, what are you trying to say? I'm telling you, you need to express your joy no matter what. Think about what he's done. Think about how he brought you through. Think about how he delivered you. Even in the midst of the circumstances and a 7.0 earthquake and maybe every all of the knickknacks are broken on the floor. Listen, we've got people whose houses are straight, moved off their foundation, and they don't even know if they're going to live there anymore. Now, that's not most people, but that is for some folks. But nobody's dead. You have a pulse. Okay, you might have lost your crystal that your mother gave you. I know it's hard. It's, it's terrible. But thank God you're alive. Rejoice for what's right. Rejoice in the good things. Come on, he saved you. You're on the way to heaven. Come on, you don't have cancer today. And if you do, you can be healed of that too. You're not in a wheelchair. Quit your belly aching and start re rejoice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, rejoice. We're talking about how to live in peace. How to live in peace. You, you got to get saved. You got to partner in agreement with people. I know that can be challenging. Be careful who you pick. Don't pick brother, don't, don't pick brother backstabber. Sister bucket mouth. You don't want them as partners. You know who they are. 
Partner with healthy people. Amen. Well, how do I know who they are? Just stick around. You'll know them by their fruit. They have healthy marriages. Come on, they're living right. There's, there's peace. I was saying to somebody, boy, you know your spirit filled when that earthquake hit. For me, when that earthquake hit, I was on a phone with one of our board members getting ready for a 9 o'clock meeting. And uh, we're talking about the building and about how it's engineered. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's some significant steel. You all seen that up there? It's not like a, a cute little, I was in Colorado, I saw all these little toothpick steel buildings. And that's not what we're building. We're building something that's going to last for 100 plus years should the Lord tarry. And you see that massive steel. And I remember asking Wally, man, that thing is like huge. I mean, the girth on these things. He says, it's engineered to take as big an earthquake as it can dish out. It's meant to take 165, 170 mile an hour winds. It's meant to stand for generations should the Lord tarry. So hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm talking to the board member. And I said, look, it's, I just start quoting Wally. It's meant to take 165 mile an hour winds, and it's meant to take whatever kind of an earthquake. <laughs> That's when the earthquake hit. I'm kidding you not. God is my witness exactly when it hit. And immediately what roars out of me is some unknown language from the Holy Spirit. Bow, just ah, emergency tongue. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Come on. As I walk down into my house and my wife's like, get under the table. Thank you for the partnership, babe. While I had the board member on the phone who stayed, he was on speakerphone. I said, it's an earthquake. And I'm sure he was just, I mean, we talked about it afterwards. He said, that was totally freaky. But you're talking about the building now. It's engineered for an earthquake and a 7.0 hit while you're talking about it. Whoa. We started rejoicing. And I raced over to that building as soon as I found out my wife and my son were okay. My phone was exploding. Talked to my mama. She was okay. I raced over to that building, coming over that hill on Seward Meridian. And man, when I saw that thing standing there untwisted, I thought, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Steel workers running for their lives with, with uh, floor joists coming down that had, were about to be welded. And it missed every one of them. Come on, somebody say praise God. People could have been killed. And I just, I just sat there, and we gathered some of the workers. Some had already headed home to go check on their wives and families, but most of them were still there. We just worshiped and said, thank you, God. Thank you. Listen, you need to express your thanksgiving because when you don't, you can get into an attitude of ingratitude. Romans talks about that. Don't ever lose your gratitude for what God has done for you or what he's going to do. He's a good God. The devil's bad. God, good. Devil, bad. God, Tell your neighbor, Dever, bad, God, yes. Don't ever lose your expression of God's joy. Oh, this is profound. I've read this scripture so many times. This is profound. I've got to hurry. Look at, look at D. Attitude adjusted through prayer. Now, I don't know why some people can just get hit with it in the head by a two-by-four, swung by someone else, and not get upset about it. And other people, you know... They thought you looked at them, so they get all offended and never talk to you again. I, I don't know why that is, and I'm certainly not here to judge anyone. But I know this in my life and through this text, that prayer will adjust your attitude. And if you don't have your attitude adjusted, you're going to end up in trouble. And it's, 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 this, is, this is revelation to me. Look at verse 6. I've never seen this before. In all the years I've been pastoring, all the years I've been preaching, I've read it. I thought I understood it, but I don't understand, not like I do today. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, the what? The peace of God, I can't hear you, the what? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or understanding, will, will what? Will guard. When it says guard, it's alluding to the fact that there's an enemy. Listen, we've got security. Why? Because there's crazy people out there that, need, that are demonized and need to be stopped from entering places on occasion. We'll never have a problem here. Somebody say amen. Guard. To guard your heart. The, the picture is that when you pray, when you, when you allow for God to give you peace and you get rid of the anxiety, it protects you. Let me say it another way. Probably, I don't know, 20 years ago or so, we went through deliverance training with uh, uh, Doris Wagner, C. Peter Wagner's wife, came and she taught a handful of us deliverance training. Some of you know about the Wagners, Wagner Institute, so on and so forth. He's gone on to be with the Lord. Is she going on to be with the Lord too? I, I, I can't remember. I think so. And at that training, I learned a lot. I learned about entry points. Entry points. An entry point is a way in which the enemy gets access to someone's life. Now, a believer or an unbeliever alike. One of the ways the enemy can get access to your life is through trauma. Unforgiveness. Bitterness through defilement. There's lots of different ways. But I mean, imagine for a moment outside this door. Right over here, right outside this door is a big, ugly demon. And you do something that causes the door to be open. See, some of you are, some of you don't have peace because you've got open doors to the enemy. You're doing stuff, smoking things, doing things you know that are wrong, and you wonder where the peace of God is. Man, you're not going to have any peace until you start living right. And you can claim going to heaven all you want to, but if you read 1 Corinthians 6 and it says the adulterer, the idolater, the liar, the stealer, the come on, it goes on to talk about all the different things that will basically take you to hell. Says I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, you're, you're not going to heaven. The kingdom of God is not for you. No, you need to be washed. You need to be cleansed. You need to walk in that forgiveness and walk in purity. Holiness matters. Trauma. So as you read this text, be anxious for nothing, right? Are you all there with me? But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be known, made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God surpasses all comprehension or understanding will guard your hearts. You see, when you allow, watch this now, when you allow yourself to remain in a place of anxiety, when you allow yourself to remain in a place of, of trauma, when you allow yourself to remain in a place of anger, come on, the Bible says, be, don't be, let the sun go down on your anger and give a foothold or topos, like a topo map, give a foothold to the devil. So are you telling me that if I get all angry and I stay angry because it's my life and I can do what I want to and I get all angry that that's going to give the devil a foothold? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So what do you mean? I'm telling you you can't you need to have a short account. You need to forgive people. You can't stay angry. Don't be anxious and don't allow for trauma to open the door to the enemy. So literally the peace of God is released through prayer. It's one of the ways We were driving our car, our truck, and I hit that rumble strip. Even by doing that, if you felt a little twist for a second, you need healing. I hit that rumble strip. I'm like, ah. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? We're sitting at the kitchen table. 
It's coffee and, and you know, sometimes people have a habit of, of making their, you know, they're, they're moving their foot, right? And the table starts moving like, is it, is it another one? I wonder we had like 450 tremors. Oh, sorry, over 600 aftershocks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, come on, if I try to, I think I can almost feel one. Do you know what I'm talking about? Through prayer, trauma, the door to trauma can go, and the peace of God. Pastor Karen, grab that mic. I want you to hear this for, for a brief second. We, we we're very short on time, but we were talking about this, and you know, you hear a message like this, and you're like, oh yeah, take notes, and then, and then you go, go through another tremor. Are we going to have another tremor? Probably. So, so, so I just talk wanna, to him about, about what that's like for right. you. Right. Well, I just want to say that you know, God has wired us up each differently, and um, you're like a superhero, and, I, you know, and you might have certain levels of anxiety and just hear the word and go, yes, amen, and there it is. But a very real experience for me was I have a very solid walk with Jesus. I love him. I trust him. But that earthquake, I've never experienced anything like it in my life. And I was terrified. And today is the third day after that thing happened. And I am just starting to relax today. It's a very real thing. When I lay down, I had a hard time going to sleep. I, every time I felt, I, I had just fallen asleep Friday night after having adrenaline all, all day long. I just started falling asleep. I love Jesus. Peace is my birthright, my blood-bought birthright, That's like right. what you said. I love him. I know that. I'm rebuking stuff. But I'm laying down to go to sleep, that 5.1 or whatever it was in Big Lake. I'm just, all, ah, I wake up. I'm, like, ready to run. Literally, I bolted out of bed, ready to run downstairs to the table. I have to violently take my thoughts captive. I mean, last night, I'm getting ready to go to bed, and my these things are coming in, like, there's going to be a 9.0. What are you going to do if you're in the shower? I mean, like, I'm like, I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to have, hey. I'm serious. I'm taking literally, some of you might have that experience. I have had, I'm not anxious, but I have had to deal with fear a lot. You know, the psalmist, let me chime in and say, the psalmist said, why so downcast, oh, my soul, put your hope in yes. God. I mean, basically a Christian should talk to themselves and tell themselves to shut up. Well, the brain, the thoughts, anyway. Silence. Yes. Be, be quiet. Yes, and that's what I had to do. I have had to violently take hold of my thoughts, and I don't feel like I'm a wimpy person. I've been through a lot of stuff, but there's. I was feeling like such a wimp because I was so. I just kept having these thoughts. There's gonna be another big one. You're in the shower. What are you gonna do? You know, like take my. I'm laying down to go to sleep. I'm taking my thoughts captive, and I am making them obey. It's so it's that, like that with everything in so life. So when that and thought fear. comes, what do you then say? I say, in the name of Jesus, right. I say no. Come on, I want you to say that in the name of Jesus. No. Come on, some of you need, you need to practice that. Don't let anxiety get you. Don't wring your hands. Don't get over into fear. Come on, God's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Righteousness and truth are the foundations of his throne. He loves you, the apple of his eye. He's going to bring you through. And if you die, you go to heaven. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Center your thinking. We're looking at E now. Center your thinking. So you understand, prayer brings a guard, a protection over you. Anxiety and, the lack, and a lack of prayerlessness lifts a guard off of you. I mean, we can look at it that way, you understand. 
So when you start getting anxious, you start getting fearful, do not cave in. Refuse to cave in. Drive that thing from you violently. No! God's got me. Now, if you've got sin, then you have no authority, so you better get rid of it. Selah. Might as well put a bullseye on your chest and wait for impact. All right. Center your thinking on good things. And Pastor Karen was kind of talking about that just now. You've got to think on whatever is pure, true, holy, noble, admirable, praiseworthy. Think on these things. You, in your beautiful head, in your thinking, don't allow for rampant, violent thoughts to come through your head that are not. If it's not good, pure, holy, noble, admirable, praiseworthy, then you don't think on it. Do you understand? Really? Right. And you be led by the Spirit of God. Center your thinking on good things. And lastly, and then we're going to take communion. Encourage others by your life and be encouraged by those who live out peace. Verse 9 of the text, our main text, Philippians chapter 4. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Contend for peace. Live in the peace of God. It's a battle, especially after going through some trauma. Amen? Ushers, would you come please? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not right with God, as I said earlier in the service, if you're not right with God, I want to give you a chance to, an opportunity to remedy that. Don't you leave this place in the condition that you're in. If you've never repented of your sin and given your heart to Jesus for the first time, well, you need to do it today. And maybe you're online or listening over YouTube and podcast, over Facebook. You need to do it today. You say, well, I, I, I used to live for God. Okay, then you need to recommit. If you're not living for Him now, then recommit your life. Recommit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment. Or maybe the devil just lies to you and you're not sure and you want to be sure. All across this place, those online, you say, that's me, Pastor. If that's you, would you just raise your hand in the acknowledgement that you need Christ today? God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I see your hand, son. Anybody over on this side want to get right with God? God bless you. Thank you. See that hand. Would you all stand with us? And just, just pray this out loud. Whether you raised your hand or you didn't, maybe you knew you needed to, but you just couldn't raise your hand, but you know you need to get right. Or maybe you know you're right, and you're just going to affirm your, your, your belief and your salvation, Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. Pray this right out loud. All together, everybody out loud, say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Ushers, would you begin to serve now? Let me pray for you as, I, as you're being served. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd fill and touch every believer here, everyone now that they prayed that prayer. Those online, let your power come. Come on, we're going to continue to worship. As soon as everybody's served, we'll receive communion all together, and service will be over for this morning. We'll make room for the 1 o'clock. Don't miss tonight. I'm preaching about, uh, if the Lord will allow me to, about leadership in the midst of tragedy, how to lead.
on. Some of you need these tools. It's a leadership meeting tonight here in the church for all of our leaders, but it's open so anybody can come to that. We hope that you'd be a part of it. It starts at 6. Amen. Let's continue to worship God as everybody's being served. as we do this we do this in remembrance of you we remember today that on the very night that you were betrayed you took the bread and you broke it and you said this is my body which is broken for you in likewise manner you took the cup and you blessed it he said this is the cup of my blood which is shed for you and as often as you do this do this in remembrance of me so God we are remembering the finished work of the cross to bring Shalom. To bring the arene, the, the completion of all of the promises of God. Salvation. Sozo. Physical healing. Emotional healing. Financial healing. It's all available for us. And we remember that. And we declare it today before you. And we ask now that you would cleanse again. Cleanse us. Wash us. Holy Spirit. If we confess our sins to you, you said, God, we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, examine your heart. 
Come on, examine your heart before the Lord. Wash us and cleanse us. Right now in Jesus' name, we break off trauma. We break off anxiety. We break off fear. We refuse to allow the trauma of the earthquake to permeate our homes. We will not live underneath our kitchen tables. We will walk in a divine courage and a strength no matter what befalls us all the days of our life. We will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say we will rejoice. We will walk in partnership with yoke fellows, developing relationships that are deep and abiding, speaking truth to one another in love. We will be a people that contend for the finished work of the cross. And we ask you now, release your healing, release your blessing, close every entry point. Come on, some of you need to repent for stuff that you've been doing aside, aside from the trauma of the earthquake. You need to repent for your behavior, your lifestyle. Listen, I'm talking to somebody. It'll take you to hell. you got to stop it. Come on, the blood of just isn't a religious game we're playing. Come on, examine your heart. Just repent. Oh, God, wash us and cleanse us. Oh, we thank you. We receive your forgiveness. Come on, say that. We receive your forgiveness, your healing. We receive your healing. We receive the shalom of God right now. Peace. Peace. I speak peace over your people. Peace over the children. Peace over our homes. Peace over our families. Peace over our community peace over our state. I speak peace. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And we declare your eminent soon return. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Hallelujah. I hope you got encouraged today. I did powerful service. Don't miss tonight, 6 o'clock. Ushers are coming to pick up the fragments. Again, it's not doctrine that you break your cup, but years ago we preached about breaking the curse, and I smashed a cup 12 years ago. We've been smashing cups ever since. I purposely don't smash my plastic cup so that you don't feel like you have to. Uh, if you want to smash your cup, that's fine with me too, all right? We don't reuse them. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Let me bless you. Our service is concluded. Father, thank you for what you've done. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Come on, you know the rest. And give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Revival continues.